Thank you, Jeff. Uh, one other word about prayer I just thought of um, while Jeff was praying. I read recently, I can't remember who I read, but I, that happens quite frequently with me, but uh, I read recently where um, someone said, prayer may be the most significant act of worship that we do. I thought that was very, very powerful. We don't, uh, I think sometimes we minimize the importance of prayer. I invite you to join us on Tuesday mornings. The ladies pray together on Tuesdays at 9.30 here at the church. I think I got the time right. So there are opportunities to come corporately here at Grace of Inn to pray. Uh, Psalm 112 will be our first uh, look for me tonight as we gather here and explore the wonderful Psalms. I, I've relished the Psalms for many, many years in my own life. I read through the Psalms once or twice a year in my planned reading, and I, I never get my fill of the Psalms. And I hope that, that this summer as we, um, as we go through nights of a study of the Psalms, it will enrich your soul as we, as we look together and rejoice in God's greatness and His goodness and His mercy to us. Uh, before I read the text, I, I just thought of something else I wanted to tell you. July the 28th, and we, this is in the Grace Update, this month's Grace Update, and it should be coming, I think, this Sunday's bulletin. It'll be in this Sunday's bulletin. But July the 28th, will be our, we'll conduct our first immersion service here on campus. For many years now, we've gone off campus in, to a sister church here in Germantown, Southwood Baptist, very good uh, church there, uh, great brothers who have been so kind to us and opened their church to us on Sunday afternoons, and we've done our immersion services there, but July the 28th, we're going to do our first one here on campus, so just keep that in mind. If you're interested in being baptized by immersion, you can call Jeff Simons or myself. We'll both be participating in that immersion service. So I wanted to bring that to your attention. Well, I called Jonathan today and asked him, look, uh, I was out of town on vacation last week, Carl, and I took some time off, and so I didn't get to hear Jonathan's talk. I asked him, had he, did he give any kind of overall introduction to the, the book of Psalms? And he said he didn't, so I thought I'd take just a few minutes to just entice us a little bit and get us into the study. Let me begin by asking a question. It's kind of a Bible trivia question. Now, Bruce, if you can't answer, Okay. <laughs> Uh, Bruce is my are walking in biblical encyclopedia around here. Anyway, uh, what is the one of the most common or the most popular types of literature in the Old Testament? Anybody want to venture? Poetry. That's the that's the answer I'm looking for. Also, narrative is a, is a popular type of literature. You know, the Old Testament is full of great stories. I mean, just packed with great stories. But also poetry. Now, you know why. One of the reasons poetry is so popular in the Old Testament? It's easy to, remember, to memorize. It's very, very, it was a, it was a very uh, significant issue for the, the Jew of the Old Testament period to memorize the sacred scriptures. In fact, by the time of the interbiblical period, interbiblical testament period between the Old and New Testament, interbiblical period they call it, um, by the time that, that Judaism was really coming to, to arise, the rabbis had, would memorize the, the entire Talmud. And it wasn't uncommon for some prodigy child to come along 
And by the time they reach their early teens, they have memorized most of it themselves. So they put a premium upon memorizing Scripture. So you'll see a lot. The Psalms is full of poetry because it's easy to memorize. Uh, the book of Psalms is divided into five different books. If you've read through the Psalms, you've noticed there's books one through five. I, I, from my studies, I can't find anybody that gives any real significant reason. Most, most of the guys I've read say it's really artificial. The divisions are artificial because there, all five books of the psalm contain the different, all the different classifications of psalms. And there's no real significant theme in any individual book. I'm talking about the five divisions. So the, the, uh, the reasons that people come up with the reasons for the divisions of the book. One is that at the end of each book, you'll find a doxology. Look back. uh, We're going to look at Psalm 112 tonight, but go back to Psalm. The closest one would be Psalm 106 and 107. There's a division. Just go back a couple of pages. You see, as Psalm 106 closes and we go to Psalm 17, we have a doxology in verse 48. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Let all the people say, Amen. Now, guys, what is a doxology? When you think of doxology, what do you think of? A praise. It's a praise. A dox, doxology. Doxa comes from dogma. It's a... It's a statement of significance about God Himself. And, but in, in the contemporary setting of our day, what do you think of when you think of the, doc, the doxology? What? Now I'm thinking of the, the song we said. Praise God from whom all blessings. That's the doxology that, that the Christian church is so popular in the Christian church. Now that doxology is, happens to be a Trinitarian doxology. It came to be, and if I've got my history right, fourth century of the church, uh, uh, in answer to a heresy in the church. And so the church fathers came up with this doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings fall. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavens. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, the Trinity. It's a Trinitarian doxology. Other of the doxologies you'll see in the books of Psalms have something to do with some great attribute of God. It's a statement of praise uh, drawing our attention to the great God that we serve. So that's one of the reasons, maybe, it's an artificial reason, maybe, that we have five divisions in, or five books of Psalms. Another reason is that in Jewish tradition, there was the belief, of course, that was accurate, that Moses gives us the five books of the Torah, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, David gives us the five books of the Psalms. So if you want a reason why there are five books of Psalms, maybe that's another good reason to say so. Now, I said earlier that there are several classifications of Psalms. This is different than the five books of Psalms. Three of the most common classifications of Psalms would be, first would be laments. Um, When David was in trouble... Uh, His enemies were pressing at his door. David would cry out to God. Psalm 102 is a lament. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Let my cry come to you. Psalms of laments. When when God seemed distant, you'll hear psalms of laments. Uh, Have you cried out to God in your life? 
Have there been periods in your life when it seems that God is quiet? And you cry out to God? I certainly have. There are psalms of laments. Then there are psalms or hymns of or psalms of thanksgiving. Now they flow naturally after a time of lamenting when God would respond to our cry and answer our prayer. Then we'll find psalms of thanksgiving or hymns of thanksgiving. David is, of course, cries out with psalms of thanksgiving. I think of one that we, we have put music to in a contemporary setting, Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord. All the earth let us sing. Power and majesty. Praise to the King. Of course, uh, there's a melody that we have put to it and sing here at Grace of Anne. One of the, uh, the third most common psalm is a hymn of praise or a psalm of praise. And that's what we look at tonight. Psalm 112 is a psalm of praise. Psalms of praise usually came during periods when Israel was in a harmonious relationship with the Lord. They were enjoying sweet fellowship with God and, and they would set aside in these great psalmist would pen these psalms of praise like Psalm 112. So let's read Psalm 112 together. It's not a long psalm, but it is a very rich psalm. Praise to the Lord. Blessed is the man, or happy is the man who fears the Lord, who finds great delight in his commands. His children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house. And his righteousness endures forever. Even in darkness light dawns for the upright, for the gracious and compassionate and righteous man. Good will come to him who is generous and lends freely, who conducts his affairs with justice. Surely he will never be shaken. The righteous man will be remembered forever. And he will have no fear of bad news. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is secure. He will have no fear. In the end, he will look in triumph on his foes. He has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be lifted high in honor. The wicked man will see and be vexed. He will gnash his teeth and waste away. The longing of the wicked will come to nothing. Now that's Psalm 112 in the NIV. I want to take a minute tonight and read it in a different... Uh, in the. Um, a different translation. Listen to this, Psalm 112. Uh, happy are those who fear the Lord. Yes, happy are those who delight in doing what He commands. Their children will be successful everywhere. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. They themselves will be wealthy and their good deeds will never be forgotten. When darkness overtakes the godly, light will come bursting in. They are generous, compassionate, and righteous. All goes well for those who are generous, who lends freely and conduct their business fairly. Such people will not be overcome by evil circumstances. Those who are righteous will, will be long remembered. We're in verse 7 now. They do not fear bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to care for Him. They are confident with fearless and fearless and can face their foes triumphantly. They give generously to those in need. Their good deeds will never be forgotten. They will have influence and honor. The wicked will be infuriated when they see this. They will grind their teeth in anger. They will slink away. Their hopes thwarted. The, psalm, the psalmist begins here in this psalm, in verse 1, 
with the phrase, praise be to the Lord or praise the Lord. Because Psalm 112 actually picks up the theme of Psalm 111. If you look back a few verses, Psalm 111 finishes with this statement, verse 10 of Psalm 111. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow His precepts have good understanding. To Him belongs eternal praise. And then it, he, he, he cries out again with this, this exclamation, Praise the Lord. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the word or the phrase, Praise the Lord, is a common phrase. If you look down at your scriptures right now, just look down at the pages there. On the two pages that are before you, how many times do you see the phrase, praise the Lord? Several times. If you turn the page, you'll see the phrase, praise the Lord. The psalmist will begin a psalm, praise the Lord. In the middle of the psalm, there will be a praise the Lord. At the end of the psalm, there will be a praise the Lord. I submit to you tonight that it's fitting, it's fitting to praise the Lord. It's fitting for God's people to take time to praise the Lord. In fact, the psalmist says in Psalm 92, verse 1, it is good, it is good to praise the Lord. When you enter the worship center this Sunday morning and we gather corporately as God's people, remember Psalm 92 before you begin singing. Remember the psalmist's admonition to us. It is good to praise the Lord. You ever been around somebody who, uh, who says praise the Lord all the time about everything? You ever been around people like that? Now, typically, I'm, I don't like that. I, but there are, some, there are some cases where I think it's probably appropriate. If I know the people, uh, it's probably appropriate. My son, a couple of uh, years now, a couple of Thanksgivings ago, not last Thanksgiving, but the, I think it was Thanksgiving, during the holiday period, my son brought home a girl from college. And that's unusual for Brian, to bring home a woman. <laughs> so he brought, she brought, uh, he brought home Sarah, and we met Sarah for the first time. They, they're still dating today. And uh, I, I tell people, I think if Brian had any money, they would get married. But <laughs> he doesn't have any money. So you can, uh, I told Brian one time, son, uh, you know, if you go to her father and ask her hand in marriage, you've got to be able to say also... Uh, Stop the checks from coming. I don't need your money anymore. So until you can say that, I wouldn't ask her, ask her dad's hand in marriage. But anyway, he brought home Sarah, and uh, Sarah was actually just a real short, petite little. She's worshipped with us here before at Grace. Some of you have met Sarah, but uh, she was actually raised by her grandparents, who are just very godly people. Brian came home. I remember the first time he came home after having met Sarah's grandparents. And they live on the Texas side of Texarkana, Arkansas. So they were really Texans. Uh, and he, he came home after having first met uh, Sarah's grandparents. And he said, Dad, these are the sweetest, kindest people I believe I've ever met. And he said, you know, they say praise the Lord a lot. He, they asked, how's your mom and dad doing, Brian? And I said, they're doing just fine. Well, praise the Lord for that. And uh, the more I listened to Brian and have got to know Sarah, I've, met, I've not yet met Sarah's grandparents. But I, they have, they're, they're elderly people. And when I say elderly, I mean bumping between 80 and 90. They're, they're very, very elderly people. Um, and they have, been, they have served the Lord, from what I can pick up from Sarah, 
all of their lives. They've just been godly people all of their lives. Righteous people, as the psalmist declares. And I bet, I bet Sarah's grandparents are the kind of people who are not just flippantly using a phrase, praise the Lord. I bet you that, I don't know if you should say that phrase here, but I, I would bet that, that Sarah's grandparents are the type of people who have lived long enough and they've experienced the sovereign hand of God in everything in their lives, in the good times, in the bad times, and they are consumed with an attitude of praise and thanksgiving. Guys, it is good to praise the Lord. The righteous praise the Lord. Um, do you live your life with, an, with a constant attitude of praise and thanksgiving? I mean, are you old enough yet? Have you lived long enough to, to not take for granted the small things of, of life? Do you get in the car and drive to work in the morning and thank God that you have the physical ability to earn money for your family, to support your family? Uh, do you get out, do you take a week's vacation and thank God for the beautiful lake and the, and the trees and the birds? Do you, are you able to, to praise the Lord even in the difficult times? Have you lived long enough to know that even through the periods when God seems silent, when maybe periods of sufferings come, are you able to praise the Lord because you've lived long enough to know that even then, God is at work in your life. It's good, ladies and gentlemen, to praise the Lord. I heard on the radio this week, uh, I was listening to 104.5, I think it is. Uh, and uh, Father's Day is coming up. June, the, is it the 16th? Something like it's, it's coming up. If you're wives, if you've got fathers and husbands who are fathers, you know, beware, it's coming up. And that's, it's our day, ladies. We, you had your day, haven't you? Or had Mother's Day. <laughs> it's our day. <laughs> That was my uh, selfishness. Anyway, Father's Day is coming up very soon. And 104 is advertising that you can, uh, you can name a star after your father in honor of your father. Now, I was driving down the road when I heard that advertisement. I got to thinking about that. We can name a star after our fathers. Do, do we have enough stars to, to name our fathers after that? And I got to thinking, well, how many people are there in the world? There's what? Two or three hundred million in the United States? How many, how many billion? Four billion in the, the world's population? Is it four? I don't know. I'm asking. Four billion? It's in the billions, isn't it? Five billion? It's bumping five. five. Let's say half of those just being, you know, for the sake of the point I'm making tonight. Let's say 2.5 billion fathers alive today. Are there enough stars to name, a, dedicate, name a father? Star after a father? <laughs> hey guys, we could name every father that would live for the, that will be born in the next two millennium. There would still be enough stars. Praise the Lord, guys. We serve a God who is worthy of our praise and adoration. Don't, don't miss this phrase in the Psalms, guys. You're going to see it all month. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It is good to praise the Lord. And it's not something that we just do occasionally. I believe the psalmist had lived long enough to know and had, like Sarah's parents, are living a life uh, consumed with an attitude of praise and thanksgiving, even in the small things. Praise the Lord.
guys, how did God reveal himself to the, to the Jews, to, to Israel, I should say, to Israel initially? How did, what was Moses consumed with in the book of Genesis? I didn't hear you. What, what, what would, what was, how did God reveal himself first? You know, he revealed himself specifically through this revelation. God reveals himself through the word. But what's the first way that God reveals himself to us? Creation. That's a common revelation, general revelation of God. Moses is consumed with creation act. First book of Gen, uh, first chapter of Genesis, first several chapters of Genesis, all through the Pentateuch, you see God's greatness uh, declared to us through creation. And so, what Moses knew that everywhere that he looked, he saw God screaming at him in creation. We come to David's time, and what does David say? The heavens declare the glory of God. You come to David. And by this time of Israel, in Israel's history, it's not just that creation, God is sovereign in creation, but what the Israelite knew by, by now was God sovereignly controls creation in everything. Uh, they saw God stop the sun in their history and defend Israel by stopping time. They saw God part the waters. They saw God turn the Nile into blood. God was not only the sovereign creator, but he sovereignly controls creation. And so you get an understanding and appreciation of why the psalmist would say, praise the Lord. And so the inevitable deduction we get here is we tie in now the, the end of chapter 111 and, and chapters 12. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And, and all who follow his precepts have good understanding. The fear of the Lord, the psalmist says now, is the beginning of wisdom. Happy is the man, Psalm 1 and 12, who fears the Lord. The inevitable deduction for the Hebrew was this. If wisdom is perfect in God, then wisdom in man consists of what? The fear of the Lord. So the Israelite would look at God declaring himself for us. Everywhere they looked, they saw God. And then they knew that the, the beginning of wisdom was connected to how we respond to this all-knowing, all-sovereign God. And that's the first key, I think, of Psalm 112. Here's the first thing. Praise the Lord. That's the first thing. The second thing. Blessed or happy is the man who fears the Lord. Our blessed is the man or woman who has a proper recognition of God. Proper or blessed is the man who fears the Lord. I was uh, invited a few weeks ago to go over to uh, uh, Love in Action, the ministry Love in Action. We support Love in Action. Are you familiar with Love in Action here in Memphis? It's, it's a very, very, very worthy ministry. And Love in Action takes, will take in men and women who have struggled with, um, with homosexuality. Primarily, that's, that's the issue that they deal with there. A few weeks ago, I went over and was invited to speak to our friends over at Love in Action. And I, this, was, this was one of the thoughts that I shared with them that morning. And sitting out there were, were guys and gals. And, and some of these people in the past have attended our church. Some attend now. And... And guys, they are precious people who, 
who love the Lord and they, they have struggled like many of us with, with our own depravity and sinfulness and they have a great desire to overcome these issues because they love God. And I was speaking with, to these people, these ladies and gentlemen, that, that morning. And here's what I told them about this issue right here. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Here, here was my comment to these guys and gals. It is critical for all of us that we have a proper response to God. It's imperative, ladies and gentlemen, that you and I have a proper response to God. It it was about that time that I was reading through Dwight Edwards' book, and I meant to... In fact, I looked up to find the book on my bookshelf, and I must have loaned it to one of you guys. So if you've got my Dwight Edwards' Revolution Within, uh, don't forget... I usually write down who I loan books to, and I didn't write this one down. But anyway, I was about that time I was reading through Dwight Edwards' Revolution Within, and I remember the story that Dwight Edwards told in this book. Jeff, you may remember. You've read the book too. Dwight Edwards tells a story uh, to illustrate a point, and he does it beautifully through this story. He tells about these, the, a group of researchers who were doing a research project to determine uh, the... Um, the response of, pe- strain- of people who, who uh, would see a stranger for the first time who carried on his face a gross scar. Very obvious, grotesque looking scar. And so this research, I don't know if they were sociologists or psychologists, but they, they were researching the response of people who saw strangers with a gross, uh, disfigured face. And so here's how the project went. They put together... A group of ten volunteers. They asked ten people to volunteer for the project. And here's what they did. They, they, uh, they found an, a doctor's office, a waiting room, a large waiting room. And, and they found an adjoining room to this doctor's waiting room, reception area. And they had these uh, ten volunteers to come in there one at a time on a particular morning. Just one volunteer at a time would come into the, the small room that adjoined the reception area. And they had a makeup artist there, and the makeup artist would paint on this volunteer's face a grotesque, uh, uh, ugly scar. <laughs> Thinking about some of the things I've seen recently at the Med and how you know, uneasy I was looking at these things. And... Uh, they took a mirror and they let the volunteers look at the scar and it was to see that this was a, a, a grotesque looking scar. Now, what they did, they brought the one volunteer at a time in the early morning hours when the reception area was full of people waiting to see their doctors. And then right before they would send the volunteer out the side door into the reception area to take a seat, the, uh, the makeup artist would, uh, with the excuse that he was going to touch up the scar would actually remove the scar unknowingly to the volunteer. So the volunteer goes out into the reception area thinking he or she still got the grotesque scar on the face when it's really all gone. All ten volunteers came back when they interviewed them after they came back into the room. They all had the same response. Everybody shunned us, looked down upon us, were rude to us, were cold and distant. They didn't even know the scar was removed when they they did the post-interview. Now, here's you know where I'm going with this, guys? Now, here's the issue. And this this was the issue I told our friends at at Love in Action. I'm telling you that our our perception of God 
And our response to Him as our Heavenly Father has a lot to do with how we perceive ourselves. I think that's part of the starting place. Now, here's my question for you tonight. As we look at this this verse, Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. This is the guy or the gal who has a proper response to God. And it's possible... This proper kind of fear, I believe, is possible because they understand who they are in Jesus Christ. How do you think the Father looks at you and perceives you tonight? One of the things I told, uh, I told the group I was talking to that morning was this. And, and this, I think, was a radical statement for some of those because I could tell by the expression on their faith. And I, I look at them and said, Do you realize if you are in Christ, The Father cannot love you any more tomorrow or any less tomorrow than He he did the very moment He saved you. That's how perfect His love is. That's how the Father views His children. For those of us who are in Christ. Now guys, if we grab hold of that truth, our position in Christ, if we could grab hold of that, It's the starting place for a proper response to the Father. It is the starting place for this this proper reverence for God. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Here's a question for you. Is God telling the truth about you? Is He telling the truth about you, about His children? Is He telling the truth about you when He tells us that we are complete in Him? The, the, the phrase Paul, the Apostle Paul uses, we are complete in Him. The Greek actually means that we have been made full. There is nothing else the Father can do for us in Christ to make us any more complete. That's how the Father looks at us if we are in Christ. And David here is speaking here of a, a reverential fear this is not, you know, you know this, guys. This is not a fear lest God should hurt me or God's going to get me because I do something bad. It's not that kind of fear. It's a fear that goes, it's a, a fear that says, lest I should offend a righteous and holy God who has, through His grace, redeemed me and made me complete. And I, this is not new insight, I don't think, to the psalmist David. The psalmist David knew, trust me, David knew the Pentateuch. He knew Exodus chapter 20 where Moses says, Don't be afraid, don't fear, for God has come in order to test you and in order that the fear of Him may remain with you so that you may not sin. In that one verse, Moses talks of two kinds of fear. Don't be afraid. Don't fear God this way. And yet Moses said, and yet in order that the fear of Him may remain in you so that you may not sin. There are two kinds of fear. And Moses says, the kind of fear I'm looking for is this proper kind of fear, a reverential fear. Now here's, here's the main point I'm trying to make in this whole first, first part of verse 1. How does God win our fear? How does the Father win our fear? I believe He wins it primarily through His forgiveness. We are forgiven. Guys, there's not a time that I go to the Heavenly Father in petition and prayer 
that I am not a sinner. Not a time. But I go to him, I go to him humbly, yet I can go to him boldly because this fear, this all that I have for God is nurtured as a result of God's forgiveness for my sins. He has cast those sins aside. And it has nurtured, hopefully in all of us, a proper response to God. Happy is the man who fears the Lord. And then in, in, uh, in verse 1b, who finds great delight in his commands. Guys, this is, this is a guy who not only has a proper response, a proper recognition of God, but now he has a proper response to God. He not only loves God himself, but now the psalmist said, this is the man who loves his law. He delights in the law of God. Gosh, I'm out of time. <laughs> I have gone here. We still get out at quarter till, don't we? Oh, wow. Um, let me pick up here next week. I, wanna, I need to honor your time. Some of you had children in, in, uh, in our programs tonight. I, the time has just flown by. We'll pick up here next Wednesday night. 1B, here's the guy who has a proper, not only a proper recognition of God, he loves God, but now he has a proper response to God. He delights in his commands. We're going to talk next Wednesday night some about uh, what is really, what does obedience and holy living entail in the Christian life? I look forward to seeing you next Wednesday night. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for who we are in Jesus Christ. And I think, I think tonight, uh, at least tonight, we can go out of here and go to our homes and put our, pillow, our heads on our pillows tonight and say with a full heart, praise the Lord. Praise the Father. Praise the Son. And praise the Holy Spirit. We give you proper praise and adoration tonight. And I pray that um, after having studied together tonight, we would be encouraged uh, from truth. And yet not only encouraged, but may truth have an have a, a impact and a change in our, in our lives this week. I pray your blessings upon your people. Protect them and bless them. And bring us back together this Sunday on that great day when we can worship together corporately. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.